and is not also not the uh, representing, I'm not here representing the Ansonia Democratic Party here today. These, these views are my own. I'm a sitting alderman, um, but these are, are, are information that, I've, uh, that I'm presenting and, and they re reflect only my views. Um, the nature of the discussion today is really just that. It's meant to be an opportunity to have dialogue with residents that might have questions about the proposals that are being put forward during this bonding um, and budgeting. And, um, you know, oftentimes there's public hearings um, and, you know, there's an opportunity for members of the public to uh, present some questions, but those questions may or may not be answered. Um, and there's really not an opportunity for uh, kind of a back and forth dialogue, um, which I think would be really helpful, especially in matters like this one where it's not necessarily cut and dry. Um, and so there's there's some gray areas here that need to be considered and it could just be helpful for um, residents in general to be able to have that kind of a conversation and discussion with um, you know, members, members of their government. Um, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna uh, share my screen now and take everyone through a presentation. Um, I'll stop at certain points and open it up to questions, um, just kind of as a matter of protocol. If anybody's unfamiliar um, with Zoom, um, there's options there where you can raise your hand. Um, so if you're if you're actually joining through the app itself or through the website link, um, there's part, you know there's a participant screen and you can raise and lower your hand. It's a good way for me to be able to unmute you without having to unmute everybody on the line. Um, and get a bunch of noise disturbance. Um, if you have um, any questions and you're, you're sort of able to join by video, you can also sort of raise your hand um, visually as well and, and, I'll, and I'll sort of unmute you. Um, but there's really no, you know, I'm, I'm, the presentation will be relatively short and I really wanna just have an opportunity for any people to ask questions. Um, and I would also like to say, you know, thank you all for, for joining. Um, you know, I think if there's one positive to come out of COVID is that there's increased engagement in local government. So if that's, you know, if that's sort of one, one silver lining to this whole thing, I think that's, you know, I'll take that. Um, so with that, uh, bear with me while I uh, share my screen and pull up this presentation and I'll come back to my video after that. So again, this is an informal meeting, um, not a meeting of the Board of Aldermen in any capacity. Um, it take me about 20 minutes to go through some, um, this presentation and, um, and I'll be available um, for any questions or dialogue um, for up to 60 minutes after that. And, um, and that's what I was doing. So as an overview, um, you know, we have, a, we have a bonding proposal in front of us, a bonding proposal re request. Um, we'll look at what's in there, specifically diving into 65 Main Street, the police station project, brief history of what that project has looked like in a timeline, um, what we know about what's being requested now, and some of the red flags that have come up for me, my own due diligence research. Um, we'll talk about some of the pros and cons and the dilemma that is being faced by the aldermen. Um, it's not... It, this is not a sort of a black and white situation. 
Um, there's issues of management accountability and um, there's issues about legal liability in terms of exposure from the state's executive order. Um, there's construction liability in the form of the building that we own and in a contract that we own. Um, and then there's also, of course, meeting the needs of the police station um, or meeting the needs of the, the police force. Um, all of those things need to be taken into consideration when the Board of Aldermen are looking to, um, to approve or recommend or, or approve um, or oppose this, these proposals. And then finally, we'll talk a little bit about the context of which we're having this conversation, which is an overview of the city's finances. We have a proposed budget from the mayor at this point. Um, and um, also we have some information in terms of debt and borrowing situation. And, uh, and we'll look a little bit into that as well and, and have a little discussion as well about what the future, um, planning for the future. Oops. So the bonding proposal request right now in front of us as the Board of Aldermen is a $5 million package. Um, that package includes $3.1 million um, for 65 Main Street, $1.5 million for road improvements, $300,000 for fire vehicles, $100,000 for fields uh, for a field study. Um, I would say to sort of drill down one, one extra level is that that $3.1 million is sort of an additional um, item that the Board of Aldermen is being asked um, to consider, which is whether or not um, this should go to referendum, um, which would typically be the case uh, and would be required, but with um, an executive order that's come out related to COVID from the state, there's question about whether or not um, the Board of Aldermen would be able to bypass that ref referendum requirement under that executive order. And so that's another um, element that we're being asked to consider. Um, my own um, sort of position on this is that um, the $3.1 million for the 65 Main Street um, is, is a little bit more complicated and a little bit more nuanced. And we're going to spend the majority of the conversation and the presentation talking about that $3.1 million. What I would say is sort of a catch-all to all of the remaining items, the $1.5 million for road improvements, the fire vehicles, the field study, is that we really haven't seen very much um, information um, on those requests um, as, as of this time. So I think in general, it's good practice, good financial due diligence for any organization that's making a money request from any body or entity to um, present that budget, it's line item detail, um, and to let people know in order of priority what it is that they're actually asking for. At the moment, uh, the $1.5 million uh, road improvements is really just been a, a ver just a, a verbal statement that there is a plan for um, that $1.5 million of road improvements. We haven't been submitted a, a list of road improvements. Um, and that's true for um, you know, the, fire, the fire vehicles. We haven't seen a sort of an itemized budget list um, for that line item request. Um, and the field study is the, a little bit more cut and dry. I think the debate there has really been around whether or not it makes sense for us to spend $100,000 for field studies. Um, I would say, you know, in general, sometimes I know people get frustrated with studies. Consultants are expensive. Um, and, you know, I think in some cases, the challenge is that um, in order to go after grant funding, you know, sometimes there's a requirement to have a, a sort of a third party consultant study done. Um, and so there's kind of an, a, 
give and take there as to whether or not, you know, $100,000 is a lot of money to spend on a study. Um, you know, could that money be better used uh, if we just go straight out of our pocket without having to go, go for grants or whether or not we can, we can reach those grants without having to conduct those studies. Um, so that's kind of a, an overview of, of each line item. As I said, the first one is the one that's most nuanced um, and, and I'll spend the most time on. The other three um, are, are a little bit more um, sort of cut and dry at this point. So diving into the history, I think it's important for people to recognize um, just how long this project has been in the works for. Um, you know, an announcement, uh, Mayor Cassetti took office in 2013, um, and shortly after that, um, this was a priority for him um, in terms of trying to get a new police a police station. Um, and over the course of um, the last several years, um, there's been so many different iterations of the proposals that have been launched. Um, sort of starting with a new, um, sort of a new police station, emergency services vehicles, um, emergency services station that would encompass fire station, uh, potentially uh, alongside the, the police department. Um, and that was for Olson Drive. Um, so those plans get laid out uh, officially in uh, 2014. At the time you could see the kind of dollar amounts that were being discussed were in the four and a half million dollar range um, as far as what the sort of expected cost might be for a new build on Olson Drive. Um, I think, you know, one of the things to sort of call out about this location, um, you know, there was, of course, everybody who's familiar with the Olson Drive and the Housing Authority um, property that exists there. Um, part of the conversation that had, uh, that had existed there was about reducing the number of units that the Housing Authority would have on site um, and having that be sort of a, a, um, you know, an opportunity for us to rework this parcel with an emergency services station there. Um, the, at the time people had raised concern about this site being that there was potential, um, flood, flood zone risks. And, um, it was flagged very early on that there was flood zone risks here. And I would say this is where one of the sort of first mismanagement, um, sort of junctions happen is that though, you know, for, for years, you know, 2014 until we don't, we don't end up changing locations. Um, for several years later. Uh, and so a lot of money was spent at the time um, in terms of developing plans, in terms of, um, you know, lost time as far as the needs of the police station. Um, at the time, the city was seeking uh, $10 million um, in, in funding for that project is what was being, was, was being quoted. Ultimately, so that was October 2015 when we're saying we're moving forward on the Olson Drive Police Headquarters. Um, November 2016, um, the, the public then is asked in the form of a referendum um, for um, uh, for $12.1 million to go towards a new police station on Olson Drive. Ultimately, the language of this would end up getting changed when it goes out to referendum to include potential other sites and locations. I think the language was something of the nature of new police station on Olson Drive or alternative site. 
Um, but everything up to that point, and of course, the last slide sort of indicated that, you know, Ocean Drive was really the intended location for this. Um, and we had already, we were sort of moving forward. Um, and, you know, this was the communication that went out from the city, um, you know, prior to the referendum, which was sort of, um, you know, didn't have the nuanced language. Um, and I think that was the intention that everybody um, had in their mind. <clears throat> so in April 2017, um, after that referendum passed uh, with, a, with a large major, uh, majority of the public voting in favor, um, there was a switch in location that was announced um, in this article dated April 3rd. Um, and so at that time, the conversation then moves to 65 Main Street. So I would say like that's the first situation, again, or another situation now where we're talking about potential um, you know, management issues here. We're changing location. Um, you know, this this new building um, is, you know, nobody had, had none, none of the public had been engaged in terms of discussions with that building. Um, I think people at that point were already sort of feeling some sense of, of a bait and switch um, with regard to what they voted for and now the sort of liberties um, in terms of switching location. Yes, the language allowed for it, but, you know, there was a certain number of people that were expressing that they felt like this was a sort of, um, you know, betraying of trust, if you will. Um, the conversation was still um, talking about $12 million, um, you know, and a 40 year loan from the U S department of agriculture. I think what's interesting about that, you know, to know about that 40 year loan um, is that, you know, 40 years is a long amortization period and the conversations that we're having now, as far as bonding um, is a much shorter period. Um, so, you know, we're not talking about 40 years, we're talking about 20 years max at this point. Um, and so that, that shorter amortization period, um, which is the, the term of the loan, means that there's going to be a, a you know, the, the, the payments themselves are going to be larger over that smaller period. Um, and I think the other thing, you know, that was on people's minds was that this was a large building, you know, 85,000 square feet in total, 65 Main Street. Um, you know, concerns around the fact that this was a large build is such a large building were raised at that time. Um, but I think one of the things that the, the administration was advocating for with this location uh, was the fact that because there was an existing building with good infrastructure, um, that we would be able to um, proceed with this building at a much lower cost. Um, so, you know, at the time, uh, the mayor is saying that they couldn't wait three to four years for um, sort of approvals and site work that would need to be done um, for the Olson Drive location and, um, and that they felt like they could get this project done on 65 Main Street in the course of six months. So this is back in, in April 2017. Um, and, and so those were sort of the items that uh, were being highlighted at that time. Ultimately, that proposal gets presented in very short order. Um, you know, the, the first that it was it was announced was in April. Um, there was very uh, there was very little time, very little public input. To, um, sort of one of the, those shotgun situations where there was a public hearing um, and um, and a board of aldermen meeting in, in very close um, uh, sequence. So um, ultimately the Board of Aldermen um, approves this new site. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things that was unfortunate about the way that was handled at the time was 
um, that, the, that the deal for acquiring that building wasn't made public prior to the hearing. Um, and that was a, a commitment that was sort of made to the public uh, before that public hearing was that there was going to be, you know, the details of that, um, of, of that agreement would be made to the public before that public hearing. So people knew what they were getting, you know, it's a big variable to say, you know, we're going to purchase this, but we don't know what the price and the terms are. And I think that's something that ultimately comes back and hurts us in the end today. Um, so that, that brings us to May 10th, 2017, Board of Aldermen approves 65 Main Street um, as a new location. So part, you know, part of the challenge of this is that you're acquiring a building from a private, private owner. This was a, um, you know, a, somebody who was paying taxes on the property and owned the property outright. And so we had to negotiate as a city with, with somebody who had the ability to also say no. Um, and unfortunately, uh, you know, that, that deal um, worked very poorly. And um, we ultimately had, we, we didn't come to a set of terms. Um, and everybody, I think, probably remembers the, um, the parking lot on Main Street being shut down as a result of that. And, um, you know, there's sort of a, a, a very public dispute between the property owner and the city. Um, so that was after, you know, that happens after the Board of Aldermen approved that site and that location. I'm sorry, I've seen, seen some chats. I'm not going to be able to look at those chats while I'm going through this presentation, but I will um, pull that up when we get open back to sort of question and answer time. <clears throat> so January 2018, in, um, uh, city officials announced that they're going to um, no longer negotiate with the property owner and that they're going to work to um, seize the building by eminent domain. Um, when you seize the building by eminent domain, unfortunately, you're going to incur a bunch of legal costs in the process, which are going to add to the overall um, cost of the project. Um, but you also need to set aside a certain amount of money um, in escrow to go towards the purchase to demonstrate good faith. Um, so at the time, when we were in negotiations, we were actually talking about a price of potentially $3 million to acquire that property. Um, it was only when we went to... Um, uh, to eminent domain that we started talking about a figure of 1.8 million. Um, and so that's where that, that price um, sort of remains today. <clears throat> so April, that brings us um, to today. Um, the first board of aldermen, the first time that board of aldermen was alerted to the fact that, um, that this, there was additional monies needed for this project uh, comes in the form of a public notice um, for uh, or a notice for public hearing for a referendum for these bonding proposals. And so I think it's, you know, it's really important to note that um, there's been no, there was no prior discussion between city officials and the board of aldermen um, that additional funds were needed for this project. Um, and there was no consultation and no help um, from the city, from city officials for the board of Aldermen to understand what exactly it was that they're facing. Um, you know, again, that's, to me, that's another point of mismanagement um, that again, hurts 
this conversation and hurts the ability for the city to be able to make an informed decision. So that's the sort of history of the timeline um, and what was known to the public. And now I get into some details in terms of what I've come to understand myself. And I, you know, I, I want to also say again here that, um, you know, myself be, being confronted with this request, I had a lot of questions and um, some of the information that I was getting from city officials left me with more questions um, than answers. And so I figured uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm a sitting board of aldermen and um, I have all of these outstanding questions that I imagine that many members of the public and what I can see from some of the dialogue, uh, the public dialogue and from what I've um, heard from people who have reached out to me individually um, is that there's, there's a lot of um, sort of uncertainty and questions about what exactly is being asked um, and where exactly we are. Um, so back in August of 2019, um, the city received their bids for the renovation of 65 Main Street. Uh, the police building commission reviewed the lowest bid, which was from Banting Construction, and that bid came in for $11.7 million. That bid was um, discussed uh, publicly in the police building commission. The, this is for those who are not familiar. This is the commission tasked with um, carrying out the oversight of this project. Um, so they received that bid in August, or they received the bid and they reviewed it August 21st. They were the lowest bid and at that meeting, there was a, a motion um, to move forward with a recommendation to the board of aldermen to, um, to, to proceed with that bid. I think what's really important, I think has been a, a source of, of much confusion for people is um, this bid included everything. This bid included everything. So all work that was being that's, that's being requested today, I think in some of the last presentations that were made by city officials, it sounded like there was additional requests being made um, that weren't included in the original scope of work back in August 2000, um, 2019 when Banton bid on this project. And, um, and that was my initial understanding when, when the city officials were coming and asking for more funds, I thought, um, oh, there must be change order requests. There must be change order requests for additional things. Maybe there was some unforeseen construction that was required here. Maybe there were some like hazardous materials. Um, you know, we heard a lot about reworking of entrances and sort of elevators and access. It's important for everybody to understand that all of that scope of work was included in the original quote from Banton. And so nothing has changed. Nothing has changed from that date of August 2019. So that sort of put some of my questions um, at the time at ease um, and raised a whole new set of questions for me. I'll say one caveat here, and this is actually important um, as well, because um, the only thing that's not included, that wasn't included in the original scope of work from Banton was specific telecommunications equipment for the police department. And the reason why that's important is because where we are right now in terms of what's being requested still doesn't include um, any quote or estimate for, for some of those specific telecommunications equipment 
for the police. And so there's additional costs that are, that are going to be required for this project that still aren't even being taken into consideration in terms of what the public is being asked to finance. So some, red, some of the red flags that come up in this research um, for me uh, really have to do a lot with timing and finance. And I want to sort of take a moment here to um, sort of caveat this whole presentation with the fact that I have the utmost support for Ansonia Police Department. I have the utmost respect for the Police um, Building Commission. It's no easy task that they're being undertaken by volunteers. Um, it's a lot of work if this was a private development there would be a dedicated, full-time, well-paid professional that was carrying out the tasks that they're being asked to carry out. Um, and so um, a lot of my gripes uh, with what's being proposed and requested here have to do around timing, communication, transparency, and the financing components of what's being requested, not with the professionalism of our police department or the building commission in undertaking this task. When the city received Banton's low bid in 11, of 11.7 million back in August 2019, that's the moment that the city knew that this project was over budget. And so my biggest gripe with this to date, and, uh, and, and a lot of it was gonna kind of roll, um, revolve around this point, is that we knew in August 2019 in the minutes from that police building commission meeting reflects that everybody at that at that table knew um, and has been reaffirmed in recent conversations with the architect, um, with Paul Heon uh, of the um, Police Building Commission and, and public meetings of the Board of Aldermen, that all of these costs were already known back in August of 2019. And this is the breakout. You have $11.7 million. That was the quote from Banton for the renovation of that project, which include the entire scope of what everybody's asking for today. Then you have to tack on the $1.8 million to purchase the building. Every construction project has a contingency. That contingency is there for any potential cost overruns that might exist. You know, it's always expected in construction that there's going to be some degree of cost overruns. You want to make sure everything's well documented. You want to make sure that there's negotiation. You want to try to avoid them by all, at, at all costs, but there's always going to be a contingency set aside um, for any construction project. In this case, an amount of $500,000 was allocated even prior um, to 65 Main Street being um, the selected site. And then there's a million dollars of soft costs, architects, engineering consultants, and other fees that get us to the um, $15 million total. So the big question I think for me at this point um, is if city officials knew the project was gonna cost $15 million, why does it take them eight months to notify the public why does it take them eight months to notify the Board of Aldermen at large? Now, there's members of the administration that attend these meetings, the, the Police Building Commission meetings, um, namely the Economic Development Director, Sheila O'Malley, and the Legal Counsel, John Marini. And there's also two Board of Aldermen that attend these meetings as Board of Aldermen liaison, um, to my knowledge, that didn't report back to the Board of Aldermen at large as far as um, the implication that this project was going to cost more than what, what residents had approved up to that point, which was the $12 million. So that's a, that's a, a big problem for me. That's a red flag. So to that point, um, the fact that this project was over budget, 
um, at this time. Um, is that there's no new cost. We keep hearing about um, additional additional scope to the project. Um, there sort of needs to be new adjustments. It's a big building. Um, we need to finish the floors, all, all of the floors. We can't have one floor vacant. Um, there are no new costs being proposed here. Um, the city knew the project was over budget in August 2019, and they didn't say anything. Why? So some of the conversations that were happening at that time was, one, the potential for value engineering. And two is that they, the city officials felt confident that they'd be able to find the additional money. So to kind of dive into those two, two items there, um, value engineering, for those who aren't familiar, is like an analysis to look at ways in which there might be some opportunities to either like reduce scope or change construction materials, but ultimately you're trying to reduce construction costs. So that request went out to Banton and Banton came back um, with a set of proposals that would reduce the construction cost by about $400,000. So that was very in very close proximity to when the original quote came in um, one month later that, that, um, uh, that, re that um, value engineering proposal came back. So that's nowhere close to the $3 million gap. So that item by itself, the value engineering component of this, um, really doesn't provide any justification as to why um, city officials waited so long to um, notify Board of Aldermen at large and the public that there was a, a huge um, funding gap still on this project. Um, the other thing, and I think this is quite concerning um, as well, is that there's this sort of mindset that was reflected in the minutes um, that the city was just going to find the money from somewhere. And so you see these quotes. And by the way, um, you know, anybody that is interested in the original source data for this, um, all of these minutes are, are posted online publicly. Um, and if you have difficulty finding them, you can um, email me. My, uh, my email is listed on the city website. And I'd be happy to point you in the right direction. Um, but you have this sort of statement here, you know, that um, from, from the economic development director, Sheila O'Malley, saying, um, you know, we know we're going to need more funds, but a year gives us ample time to make up the difference. So, um, you know, just saying the success of the bond sale presents some potential savings. Um, and then ba basically being able to pool money out of other capital projects and sweep that money from other capital projects um, into this project. That to me is really problematic. Um, and it's, there's so much uncertainty that's tied to that. There's so much issue in terms of transparency that I'm, I'm uncomfortable with that statement. Um, and really it's just not the way that you wanna go about budgeting for anything is to assume that you're gonna take it from other line items. And I think, you know, the other thing to call out here is that, um, you know, a statement from uh, legal counsel, Attorney Marini, sort of saying, you know, do we feel comfortable um, signing this contract? Uh, you know, and that there's, you know, an ability for change orders and in order to the ability to meet any finance gap um, that might occur. And so to me, you know, that's an acknowledgement, just a, uh, an affirmation of the acknowledgement that we've, we've got problems here. We've got financing problems here that really aren't being properly addressed. Um, and, and the other thing is that, 
you know, we're essentially committing. The moment we sign that contract with Binton, we already know that um, through the eminent domain case that we're setting aside $1.8 million. All of the other costs have already been fixed in terms of soft costs and contingencies um, and, and the acquisition costs. So the moment we sign the contract, short of um, finding other money or value engineering, we're committed to spending that $15 million. Um, and so they made that commitment um, without residence approval on the hope that they would find enough construction cost savings or could pull money from other sources. That's a big problem to me. And to me, that's a big a breach of, um, of trust of the public, um, you know, and, to, and, and potentially issues of, of, of ethics on that point there as well, committing the city to spending this additional funds without coming out to, um, back to the city for input. And so that brings me to the point of, you know, is this a false choice? Um, we're being presented uh, at this time as if there's a choice here, as if the residents have a choice that there's even an option to reduce scope um, that would allow us to um, save this money. A, a, a potential choice to say that, uh, hey, you know, if you, if you don't approve this, um, you know, we're not going to have, you know, we're, we're just not going to have a finished floor. Um, and so what I've, what I've discovered in this process is really there was never any option, there was never any value engineering option that was presented um, that would have closed that $3 million finance gap. And so we're sort of talking today as if that option exists, that there's a value engineering option that exists that would close that $3 million finance gap. It doesn't exist. We've never been quoted um, anything from Banton for that. The only thing we've ever been quoted for um, was a potential value engineering proposal of $400,000. Um, and just a moment on that, my understanding of that, um, of what was included in that value engineering proposal was things like not upgrading the exterior windows and other, that was the sort of major component of that um, potential proposal. Everything else was relatively um, sort of small items that, really didn't make sense for us. And even the exterior windows, I would agree that it doesn't really make sense to sort of um, take that value engineering proposal. And besides that, it doesn't get us anywhere near to closing the $3 million gap. Um, but, you know, even if you wanted to say, you know, what, what if we explored that $500,000 value engineering proposal? The reality is that we're so far along now, that, that option was presented so far, um, so long ago, that um, it's not really an option anymore. You know, eventually we're, we're, we're well into the construction of this project right now. Um, and so, you know, those options go out the window at some point. And um, I believe we've already crossed that threshold. So to me, this is a false choice that, that, um, that residents are be even being presented with, that there is even an option um, to not proceed with this um, additional $3 million. Um, it appears that the $15 million has already been committed to. Um, that's a big problem to me. That's a big red flag. Um, that's a, that's a big breach of trust. <clears throat> uh, you know, and I'm sorry, this is a duplicate slide here. Um, there's an additional sort of item, uh, 
you know, does this, you know, as a question raises a question about for me about, you know, does this potentially violate city financing ordinances? There's ordinances um, with regard to increased in budget of certain thresholds. Um, you know, there was an amount approved here um, and we committed to an amount that was greater than that prior to having um, voter approval. And it seems like there's very little opportunity for us to actually not do that short of not proceeding um, with this project in, in its entirety. Um, uh, to me, that that potentially violates some city financing ordinances. Um, another red flag here for me, um, when you go back and look at these minutes, which is where um, a good portion of my understanding of this has come from, um, there was a revised set of minutes. Now, it's not necessarily uncommon for um, minutes to be revised or amended occasionally sort of a, there's a sentence that was sort of phrased wrong or you know there was might have been like a sort of a small error of some sort um, and then you know you you would go back and the, you'd sort of you know correct the minutes as it were um, in this case there were large chunks of dialogue that were removed um, from and amended for a revised set of minutes to me, um, and especially when you look at um, the particular items that were removed, um, uh, seem like it's really counterproductive in terms of the transparency. And it seems to me like, um, you know, what, why, why was that chosen to be removed? It, it can't be possible that an entire conversation that was listed out in the first set of minutes was somehow, you know, that this, I can't believe that the secretary would have gotten it that wrong, that entire dialogue, paragraphs of dialogue, um, you know, were sort of not, didn't exist. Um, so here you've got, you know, notably, um, you have a, a, a sort of a phrase here um, from the economic development director, Sheila O'Malley, that some money from the capital projects have been completed, that they would be sweeping money um, from from leftover uh, leftover money from other capital projects um, that have been completed, um, and then you have a long statement here um, from Attorney Marini. Paragraphs, two paragraphs um, that were eliminated that were essentially um, sort of you know providing this acknowledgement that um, you know that, that there's additional financing that's going to be needed here. Um, but that they have a good idea of what that financing is now. And so they know where they stand. Um, and really, this is the kind of point for um, the Police Building Commission to sort of pull the trigger on this. Um, and, you know, I, I won't read through the entire dialogue there. It's, it, it will be there. It's there for you to, to look at. And again, I'm happy to share that. And I think, you know, another um, uh, chunk of, of text that was removed was an important point and remains an important point from Chief Coda, um, which was recognizing the fact that we're having this conversation back in August 2019 that we're already over budget and where there's already a big financing gap here. Um, however, um, none of this conversation takes into consideration the fact that the police needs additional equipment to be able to go and get this space up and running. Um, and so the $15 million that's being baked and talked about right now um, still doesn't include that amount of money. And he pointed that out um, back then um, as well. Um, so, you know, th those are two, you know, I really hate the way this looks. I hate the way that the fact that this, the, these minutes were amended in this way um, to me, um, you know, it, 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 it sort of raises suspicion. 
Um, and it also sort of begs the question, you know, are we going to need to request or raise more money for the additional equipment um, that the police need? <clears throat> so this is the final slide um, sort of talking about um, the, uh, the dilemma that we're facing right now. Clearly, um, as far as I'm concerned, um, we have an issue uh, with management here. Um, so, you know, city, I'm just going to read this out loud. Um, so, you know, city officials sh should have told the public and the Board of Aldermen back in August 2019 when they, when they first found out that the project was going to cost $15 million. The fact that they didn't is very poor management. They could have brought this to referendum in, 2000, in the 2019 election. I mean, that's a really important fact. Right now we're talking about the, the, that time is of the essence. We had the ability to go out to the public at that time and say to the public, listen, this is a bigger building. You know, we got, we got our quote. The quote was more than we were anticipating. Um, and as a result of that, this project's going to cost $15 million. At that point, it would have been the, the, the best management thing to do would have been to go back to the public and say, listen, guys, um, this project's going to cost extra. It's going to cost $15 million. The choice is yours. Do you want to proceed with this site and spend the additional, um, uh, this additional $3 million? Or do we need to look at another site because this project is too big, it's too expensive, it's too complicated, um, all of those things. Instead, um, the, the city, city officials um, chose to, to not disclose and not have the conversation um, they didn't give residents the choice at that time, and that would have been the appropriate time to do it because we still had an option. So the challenge for me with this is we need to hold government accountable for the fact that they did this workaround. They chose not to be forthright with the fact that this project was over budget. Um, you know, they can speculate as to why in November of 2019, they wouldn't have wanted that to be in a referendum. This was a municipal election year. Um, and, but what's the correct accountability measures to take? So clearly there's a, 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 a management issue here as far as I'm concerned. Um, but what do we do as a city, as a board of aldermen, to make sure that we're really holding um, the city accountable for the fact that this was a real breach of trust? With that said, we have a construction liability. We own a building, we bought this building for $1.8 million, and we own a contract for $11.7 million. That's done. These are done deals. We're well underway with construction. The option of stopping construction temporarily or permanently because it's gone over, over budget would be a disaster in my mind. Um, however, there's nothing that says that this money is needed right now in order to complete construction um, and, you know, a larger payment could be made at the end of construction, depending negotiations um, with Banton. So there's, you know, another component, which is the timing risks, the referendum, um, the executive order. So voters approved a project for a certain price. Um, there's a part of me that says, you know, you, you bring it to the people. people this is democracy. We, we chose to um, go out to referendum in the beginning. We need to go out to referendum again to give people that, uh, that authority, give residents that uh, authority to be able to make that call. However, that brings some degree of timing uncertainty. We can't have 
a referendum um, during the course of COVID, it would be irresponsible, which would mean that the potential is there to have a, a referendum on this question in November, which pushes things out. We don't know what the future might bring. Interest rates could change for better or you know, they could change for worse. Um, and if we, if we wait until November, if the city votes to bypass a rent referendum under the cur current state executive order, this is one of the proposals is to say the state is giving us the option to not do a referendum. Um, and it's that, that, that executive order and whether or not that executive order applies to this circumstance is open to interpretation. There's potential arguments to be made either way. Um, but as because of that, anytime anything is open to interpretation, it opens it, us up to poss uh, possibilities of lawsuits if somebody makes a determination that our, our interpretation was wrong um, and that we didn't have an author the authority as the Board of Aldermen or as a city to bypass this referendum because it didn't meet the standards and the requirements as laid out. Um, I would like to also sort of um, point out, and I apologize, it's a little bit of a political jab, but I really just kind of say this, um, you know, I'm sure, you know, there are people that will say, you know, you're doing this, you're, you're so hyper-political and so partisan, um, you know, you just have it out for the mayor or something like this. Um, the reality is, you know, we all need to hold our government accountable um, and we all need to be, it, our government works better when there's more eyes that are being critical of the, the managerial decisions that are being made. And hopefully the idea is that in that process, everybody's brought in and, um, and there's an opportunity for everybody to work together and get a better result. Um, this is an article from uh, um, legal counsel John Maridi back then. He was an alderman in 2013. And it's just a sort of a sense that history repeats itself. The same things that we're sort of flagging now as issues um, in terms of what the way this bonding proposal is being presented were the same sort of issues that were being flagged back in 2013. Poor communication with residents. BOA didn't have the chance to meet with city departments to determine um, the bonding projects. Um, poor communication between city leaders, right? So it's the same kind of stuff, um, you know, but unfortunately we need to move beyond, we need to get better. Um, and, uh, you know, so at this point I'm gonna um, pause here. I'm gonna stop sharing my screen. Um, I'm going to open up um, for questions um, that anybody might have. Uh, if you wanna raise your hand, I'll unmute you. Um, and you'll have the opportunity to ask a question that's specifically pertaining to um, the conversation that's been had so far here. Um, so I see um, Brian Perkins has his hand up. Uh, I'm going to unmute uh, unmute you, Brian. Whoops, just a second here. Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you, Brian. Um, just a quick question. Uh, so. I think that Alderman can agree with me on this in terms of committing money uh, and unauthorized commitment. It seems the city has went ahead and uh, went forward and did an unauthorized commitment. Now, at the federal level, you know, we're talking about the Department of State, Department of Defense. Um, it's completely against the law to do anything like this that the city is doing. Um, this can be, this can include issues where the person might be financially liable, who did the commitment, down to uh, legal action, and 
of any contractors that work on an unauthorized commitment, they're not entitled to that money until it's, until it's ratified. So my issue becomes, at what point does this unauthorized commitment cause such an issue that the contractor does the work, the contractor is not going to get paid from the city, and then there's another lawsuit? Yeah. You know, again, you know, because of this practice, the best practice would have been back in August to just say, you know, Projects run over budget all the time, and there's a very good chance that the city, the residents would have happily sort of gone along with this request for additional funds. No problem, you know, and they could have gone out to referendum in November um, of last year and would have had that funding available to them, um, you know, earlier than anything that we're talking about now. Um, the fact that we didn't do that, the fact that the city didn't do that, opens this up to exactly those kinds of challenges, exactly the kinds of challenges of, you know, what happens if we go to referendum and, um, you know, this, the, the, the voters voted this down at this point, that would be an absolute disaster for the city. It would be a disaster in terms of our ability to not be able to deliver for um, our police station, uh, our police department. It would be a disaster in terms of the liability of having a construction project that's left partially done it would be a disaster in terms of if we had to um, try to factor this into uh, a single year's budget, um, you know, or, or if we had to pay out money uh, to, to, to fulfill our contract with Banton. Um, all of those things are real risks, um, you know, that we're facing as a result of this sort of mismanagement, which would have really been such an easy thing to avoid had they just gone to the public back in August of, of last year and said, hey guys, we have an issue here. We need more money. What do you think? Hey, I have a follow-up question to that as well in terms of Executive Order 7S. Um, I was in a Board of Alderman meeting where they went over the reason why they would use that Executive Order, but they used it, they didn't, they didn't full, put the full order in the presentation. They just put like bullet points of the, of the order. Um, but there's, an or, there's a part in the order, the clause, that says that the city shall make specific findings. Uh, I'm using city, I'm paraphrasing city, of course. Uh, this is such bodies, but city board of aldermen, um, shall make specific findings that such actions are necessary to permit the orderly operation of the municipality and that there is a need to act immediately and during the duration of a public health and civil preparedness emergency in order to avoid endangering public health and welfare, prevent significant financial loss, or that action is endangering public health and welfare. Um, my question for that is, has the city provided or city officials provided any justification there, any kind of specific findings because all I've heard so far is just, hey, we need to get this loan now because we'll lose the rate. And personally, like, I think in terms of the spirit and the intent of the order, that's not proper justification to enact this executive order. Yeah. I mean, it's speculation at this point as to whether, um, you know, interest rates might be forming in one way or the other. If anybody could forecast interest rates, um, I, I, I'd like to work with them because I'd be, I'd be rich. But, um, you know, so it's not, it's certainly not a, a something that we could quantify um, at this moment with certainty. It's not a discrete amount to say that we would lose um, if we, if we didn't, um, if we didn't wait until November. I'm sorry, if we did wait until November, um, you know, the specifics, and this is the problem. I'm not an attorney. Um, and, you know, there's enough gray space, I believe. Um, with the way that this um, executive order is written 
that there could be a, a leak, you know, sort of a dispute legally um, about whether or not this was this was appropriately applied here. Um, and again, we don't we're not a rich city, and um, you know, I know it sounds political when we talk about legal fees, um, but you know, these things add up. And um, you know, when we talk, when we're sitting in and having budgeting conversations right now about whether or not we can afford to give an extra $2,000 to the Boys and Girls Club, um, you know, all of a sudden a, a $20,000, $30,000, $40,000 potential lawsuit um, really starts to matter. And so, um, you know, I, I don't know if that answers the question, but, you know, I, I think that's, that's really you know, the best I could answer it. Uh, Valley Indy. Is that Eugene? Valley Indy, are, are you, can you hear me? Uh, I can hear you. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I'm not here to represent the Ansonia Democrats um, in their entirety. I'm here just as a sort of an individual alderman trying to share um, kind of my my qualms and um, and some of the challenges that I'm facing with this decision that's at hand. Um, personally, I I don't I, I don't like that. Um, you know, I I think that. Uh, you know, nobody wins in, in, in a scenario where um, both, you know, sort of, um, you know, we're spending legal fees, um, you know, city or Democratic Party is spending legal fees, city of Ansonia has to spend additional legal fees, um, you know, and we bring additional complication to an already complicated project. Um, it's, uh, to me, you know, it would be sort of um, an unforced error, um, but, uh, you know, it's not to say that somebody else might feel differently. Um, it could even be somebody from outside the, the, the party that is somebody who, you know, we have plenty of libertarians in this town who, who aren't comfortable with uh, just write, you know, sort of writing off that level of authority um, to, to a bunch of, you know, government people that may or may not represent the will of the people. So, um, you know, it could be somebody like that who says, you know what, there's, there's a process here um, and this process is being violated. Um, you know, I know that ultimately we're going to pay for this, um, whether it comes through bonding or whether it comes through budget. Um, and I want my say. Um, so, you know, it doesn't have to be the Democratic Party. It doesn't have to be me that brings that lawsuit. Are there any other questions? I see um, not everybody's on video. If you don't know how to raise your hand, um, you can raise your hand visually and, uh, and I'll um, unmute you. Um, otherwise, I'll sort of leave it open for a little bit longer um, here. And I've got a few more slides um, to talk about sort of city finances um, more directly. If anybody wants me to go back and clarify a certain slide or sort of validate a certain fact or um, piece of information, I'm happy to do that as well. 
and I can see you in the chat. I'm, I'm watching in the chat right now as well. So if there's anything there, um, I'd be I'd be happy to. Uh, okay, Leslie. Hey, so I have two questions. My first one, can you hear me? Yes. My first one is, what's um, was there like an actual discussion, in-depth discussion about the financial impact of taking versus taking um, borrowing? the three three million now like with the through the resolution and not taking it i know there was a six hundred thousand dollar figure thrown but what was the other like was you know how about the other analysis like if we don't take it long term what's going to ha happen and and i mean in dollars like what would be the dollars like comparing Compare. sorry just to confirm your question is um what hap what happens if we choose to can you clarify if the question is what happens if we choose to finance this this gap this three million dollar gap through bonding versus taxes or is it are you asking you know what happens if we don't if we don't try to raise funding for the finance gap period no so through because right now from the the meeting that I attended last time um, it sounded like the majority of aldermen wanted to use the resolution to to expedite the borrowing right to get the approval of the three million and i'm asking with that in mind what is the financial ha, has there been an actual in-depth financial discussion or analysis shown to you guys like in figures what would it be if you do take it th through that way or you don't so you don't borrow the the money yeah. at all and until the uh, November, like until, figures, assuming, like let's, so let's say we, you know, if we want to take a scenario where, well, let, let's say we can assume that this, the residents of Ansonia would vote in favor of a referendum to, to for an additional $3 million for the police station project. Um, assuming that if we want to assume that they would vote in favor of that versus um, in November versus um, whether or not we try to, to bypass that through the executive order um, is closer to now. Um, if we assume that the, that, the, that the referendum would pass, we're essentially, you know, what's the value of, of, of another six months, uh, five or six months? And um, I think, you know, Alderman Tony Mamone um, pointed out, you know, interest rates can change. Um, and, uh, you know, during that course of time, um, it's possible that interest rates could go up. Um, however, it's also possible that interest rates could go down. We don't know what's going to happen. And so it's impossible to say discreetly what exactly it is that, um, you know, that that, that that cost would be, that cost differential would be. Um, what I, what I would, would say is that, you know, knowing what I know, um, you know, I think, um, and I wouldn't have chosen this building personally. I, 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 I was I was publicly um, opposed to this building um, as, a, as a police station site from the very beginning before we ultimately um, decided to go here. Um, it is a large building. Um, when you're working with a building that large, the expenses begin to multiply. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, so I wasn't a fan of this building, but since we're, we've already committed to this building, 
and we're already in the midst of construction. We have committed um, contracts. Um, we, we've, we've already purchased this building. Um, it would not help the city right now to not proceed um, with this with this building. My hope would be that um, in a referendum in November, that voters would actually vote to proceed with this. Um, but is it up to me, um, number one, to make that decision for them? Um, uh, and I think there's a real dilemma there. Um, number two, um, you know, this doesn't address the fact that we that we're at this point, we're at this junction because of the mismanagement that has already occurred. We're having to make this difficult decision because of the mismanagement that has already occurred. The fact that these this, you know the, these additional funds were known eight months ago, and we could have avoided this entire scenario. Um, you know, had we had 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 city officials respected the public, respected their ability to weigh in. Um, and respected the authority of the public to make these financing decisions. So for my follow-up question to yours is, was it in, in the comparison that you guys did in that financial, did you guys even look at how much we, if we would have taken the loan or the, the if we would have borrowed in August, what would have been the interest rate there and what was the financial impact because of us not taking it at that point? In August of 2019. Mm -hmm. Since we're just looking now at just like what it would be if we mi possibly missed out in November, did they, was it there even a discussion of how much we missed at that point to get like a better picture? No, I, don't, I, I think the only thing that was shared um, in the bonding presentation that was given by the city previously was a sort of um, uh, a time history of interest rates. Um, the only thing I would say is that the, the one flaw with that slide that was presented um, you know, and, and, I, and I can uh, was that it was for triple a um, 10 year bonds um, which we are not triple a um, and this is not a 10 year bonding that we're um, uh, actually I'm not you know some of the some of the some of the bonding um, is, is I believe 20 year bonding and some of it is um, is 10 year bonding but we're not triple a so um, but anyway, there was no analysis about whether or not if we bonded, um, uh, you know, last year versus now. Gotcha. And then my last question is like, from what in the what specific findings was pre presented, or have you guys um, been given in general to uh, justify to meet the burden of proof in um, in the executive order? I think that's the only the only sort of potential item that could that could be a qualifier is to say that you know there might be a, a potential cost if interest rates change. Um, I think you know that's my understanding of the executive order requirements is that there needs to be a presentation of financial hardship. Um, if that action is not taken, we can't say discreetly that there is one. Um, we can only speculate that there's potential for one. Um, so that, that's what I would, that's, that's the best I can answer that. Okay. I don't see any other hands up. Um, just because I'm moving on doesn't mean that um, 
Uh, you can't ask, uh, I got a question from Brian. Hold on one second here, Brian. And uh, Lisa. Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you, Brian. All right, so you showed us how um, state uh, city minutes were altered um, after publication. Um, my question is, does this, is this um, going to be reported to the state attorney general because this is a, uh, this is falsification of public records and uh, government property. So this is clearly a state crime, if not federal crime. I'm not sure where the jurisdiction lands on that, but it should definitely be reported to the proper authorities because if they get away with this and none of the minutes in our city are going to be seen as um, uh, correct because we see one document being altered after the fact. How do we know what's been altered at this point? Yeah. Yeah. It, it all goes back, you know, trust is such a valuable commodity. Um, it's, it's hard to sort of put a value on, on trust. And um, everything becomes much more complicated when trust goes out the window. And I think the, the, the biggest the biggest mismanagement here is really in, in the mismanagement of the trust of residents and the trust of, um, of the Board of Aldermen um, and really a, failed, a failure to disclose um, significant financial information that was known um, you know, months in advance, um, in a way that was meaningful. It was, um, you know, there were, there were, um, board of aldermen liaison there. However, it's the, it's the responsibility that those board of aldermen and the city officials have a responsibility to make that information known to the public and to the board of aldermen. And my conversations with other board of aldermen um, so far is that nobody knew this was coming. The first time anybody knew that we were, we were, as far as Board of Aldermen concerned, we're talking about a $15 million budget was in April when we read that, um, the, the notice of the public hearing in the newspaper. Um, with, I, I can't comment on, uh, from a legal perspective as to whether or not this violates um, the law in terms of their the amended minutes. I, as I said before, it's not uncommon to, to request um, amended minutes. Board of Aldermen would have to actually approve the, um, or, or the board, the commission that was ho holding the meeting would have to approve those amended minutes. Um, and it's also worth noting that both sets of minutes um, are actually still uh, public and online, um, which is why I was able to do the due diligence and see what was changed. Um, you know, it's a good point, Brian, that, uh, you know, it's possible that, you know, to what extent those minutes are allowed to be amended, um, you know, how much sort of liberty or license is there to amend minutes to eliminate entire paragraphs of that nature. And I don't think that's sort of usually the intended, the intention of, you know, the ability for, for, for committees to revise minutes in that manner. Um, you know, so I, I think, you know, it's a good point. It's something that I will sort of investigate further. Um, you know, it, it, it's, um, it's something that I take very seriously.
Um, so Lisa, get your hand up. Hi, Tarek, how you doing? Hi, Lisa. Um, just really one question. It's the $3.1 million question. So if, if the bids are identical, what's the $3.1 million for? If, if nothing has changed, if we didn't have any change orders, we didn't have any additions to it, what's the $3.1 million for? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I don't get. We don't really still have an explanation, right? Or well, am I missing something? So, no, so there's two things to note here. Um, one is that uh, I think everybody can see my screen here again. Um, so this is the accounting of how you get to $15 million. 11.7 was just, was just the figure for the construction. It was just for renovation. Um, it doesn't include the $1.8 million purchase, which we all know about and is well documented publicly. Um, the only other costs here that um, are worth sort of looking into, and I will say that um, to the extent that I've had questions for the Police Building Commission, um, those questions um, have been answered verbally, um, but I haven't had a full breakout you know, a $500,000 contingency is a reasonable contingency to have on a project like this. Absolutely. But wasn't that in the 11-7? Don't they usually? No, no, no. So the contingency is, is an addition on top of the, you know, oh, so you get, you get your bid and then, and then you as a, as a developer owner would make the determination as to how much contingency you want to hold on the project. Um, it's up to you. I mean, you could hold zero contingency if you wanted to. Um, and that's, you know, sort of something to consider in terms of the, the cash flow needs of the city and what sort of urgent and priority and what's not. Um, sort of like what's drop dead needed at, you know, at any given moment. That contingency is really there as a buffer. Um, okay. And so, you know, the, but there's a, still a big chunk of $1 million in soft costs. Um, which, but again, more those weren't included when we first talked about this. I mean, no, they, were, they, they were included. I think that's, you know, I think that's what's, um, you know, I think that's what's so confusing for people is that there's this kind of, this is being presented in a way to say, you know, there's these additional $1 million soft costs that have just come up as if they've come up last month or two months ago when the reality is, you know, again, the, Architects charge their fees as a basis of the, the cost of construction many times. Um, you know, engineers, you know, it's going to be on, based upon the scope of construction. Consultants, it's all, it's all going to be there. It's all going to be in some way tied to the cost and the size of the project. Um, and so all of those would have been known and would have been identified and specified. Um, and, I've, and I've had confirmation that those costs were known and, and specified and identified back in August of 2019. So the real sort of grievance here is the fact that we knew this project was going to cost $15 million in August of 2019. And it took eight months before anybody was meaningfully notified of this as far as the Board of Aldermen and the public are concerned. And still today, you're having city officials say, no, you know, we're, we're still on budget. No, we're not. We're, fifth, we're, we're $3 million right. over budget. Well, and in that last meeting, I'm pretty sure that the, I don't know, um, I don't know if it was Humes um, that said it, but they, they basically said, 
completely opposite of what we're hearing now. He, he said, well, you know, if you want to finish without furniture and telecommunications and the cost of the move from, you know, Elm Street over to Main Street. But that's not true, right? Well, it's certainly not $3 million true. Um, what, what, what we know right now, and this is another conversation that's going to have to be had by the Board of Aldermen and, and sort of at greater length is what are we talking about in terms of the only thing that wasn't included in the scope of construction, which we still need to go out and, and, and nail down a price for, is the telecommunications um, equipment for the police department uh, coming in. We don't know what that is. Is it going to be a couple hundred thousand? It's going to be half a million? We don't know. Um, but we know it's going to exceed what's being asked of us right now in terms of the $15 million, um, you know, and, unless that's going to come out of contingency and assuming, you know, and then you're eroding the buffer of your contingency. Um, you know, so, you know, there's a, there's a big unknown here, but I, I just want to make sure like everybody understands, um, you know, nothing has changed in terms of scope. There's still additional detail that I'd like to see. I haven't seen the architect's contract. I haven't seen the engineering or consultant's contract. My expectation is that that would be available to the public. It's annoying that it's not been sort of just put out there in the conversations that have happened already. Um, you know, a request was made for a full sources and uses of funds um, for this project, both um, looking backwards uh, to date and also projecting out going forward to know where do we expect that we're going to settle out here. Um, and what we got back from Economic Development Director Sheila O'Malley, who's one of the principal um, sort of managers on this project, was an incomplete um, uses of funds dating to December 2019. So. Um, there's still definitely information that's not being um, sort of put forward right now um, that has been requested, and there's still additional requests to be made. And so who is the person responsible for keeping and reporting on the budget of this project? I would, I mean, I don't know if it's, if, if it's been specified. I would think that that's the role of the, the alderman that we're, that we're the liaison and present for that meeting. Um, in August uh, to report back. Um, well, I'm, I'm talking about keeping the project, you know, they keep saying we're on budget, we're on budget. I, I heard excuses about soft costs. I heard excuses about a, a third entrance, which was already in the plan. I mean, I heard so many different stories from yeah. that last meeting that I just don't know what to believe anymore. Yeah. And so that's the thing is that there's these conversations that are happening. That's making it sound like we, you know, we, we have to, uh, you know, that these are new discoveries. Um, all of that with regard to the tower entrances, with regard to the elevators, with regard to um, all of these big ticket items that are being described now, um, we're always in scope. They're still in scope. Um, and we never received any proposal from Banton that would look at removing those items from the scope. So we don't even know what those, what those would bring and whether that would, um, uh, be able to close that $3 million gap. Um, and at this point, that option is definitely not on the table at all. Um, we, we're already well beyond that point. So what what happens now? I mean, I, I, know, I know that we're going to have to see how this all plays out, but who's accountable for the taxpayers' dollars at this point as far as city hall is concerned, because you guys as aldermen, 
you you don't necessarily know what's going on in that building all the time. I would think somebody from City Hall, from the administration, should have their finger on this constantly, correct? Yeah, I mean, that's that's what you'd want to see, you know, if you want to feel confident and comfortable. I mean, I sit on many boards and commissions. I sit on housing um, association boards. I sit on condo boards. And the level of scrutiny and due diligence that's carried out in, in these boards with a much smaller budget um, is, is to a greater extent than what we're seeing right now from city officials on these major issues uh, of, of either the bonding or the budgeting. Um, and, you know, it's it's... It's disheartening for sure. Um, and it puts us, the aldermen, in a very uncomfortable position to say, you know, really, th there's a sort of a price to be paid for the mismanagement that's that's um, happening here. I really, um, I don't want that price to be paid by the public. Um, you know, and that's the, that's, that's the, that's the dilemma that we face right now is that there's, there's mismanagement that's come out of City Hall um, there's a total lack of communication and a total failure on their part to work together with the Board of Aldermen on this. Um, and, and yet, um, you know, we're, we're somewhat limited in terms of our ability. Um, you know, we certainly don't want to be in a position where um, the police are compromised in their ability to get into a new location. And we don't want to be in a position where, um, you know, residents are faced with um, a $3 million additional line item on their 2020-2021 budget. Um, and so... I just wonder who, who the paid employee is that is supposed to be following all of this. Not the elected officials, but the people that we pay in City Hall. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm not looking to place blame, so to speak. I'm just looking so this doesn't happen again. Like, yeah. where, where did it go wrong? And I think that's the, um, you know, that's really the ultimate goal here. We're not, we're not here in a sense, you know, uh, we need to make sure, we wish, I wish this didn't happen. Um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a real failure of our government that this happened. Um, you know, and I guess at this point to, is to say, um, you know, how do we get better? How do we make sure, what are the provisions that we take as a city so that this doesn't happen again? Um, what are the safeguards? What additional sort of um, criteria can be put in place here that this doesn't happen again? Exactly. I mean, we can't change what's, what the past is. I wish I could go back to last August and say, hey, guys, you know, let's put this on the November. But we can't do that. And you know what? Our police deserve this building. They deserve to have the, the space that they need and to be safe in because, you know, the Larkin School building is not it. So I just want to make sure that moving forward, this never happens again. Because I'll tell you what, I've had a lot of contracts on all different things throughout the years, not as much as you. But if a contractor came in and said, I need 25, I have a 25% overrun, I'd want to know what happened. Yeah. Yeah, and and it was always an issue with this with this um, location. You know, I know there was optimism about you know being able to get in here for less than ten million dollars and you know purchase and renovation. Um, you know, obviously that's not the case. Um, I got uh, Valley Indies got their hand up, and then Eileen. Go ahead and mute me too, Tara, because I got the dog outside. <laughs> <laughs> 
Go ahead, Eugene. Oh, whoops. No. Thanks, Eugene. Um, I think the big challenge with that is that there's no specific number that's specified in those minutes. So even somebody who is paying active attention um, to, to those minutes, um, you know, what you, what you hear is that there's an understanding of the commission that there's a finance gap here. Um, the scale of that, you know, is it $50,000? Is it $100,000? Is it $3 million? You don't see that in those minutes. So unless you were attending that, that meeting in person, or unless you're following up um, individually, you don't have any sense of the magnitude of what is being discussed here. And I think, you know, if, if the city was coming to us and saying, look, guys, we're $50,000 over, no problem. That's not even a consideration. Um, we're talking about $3 million, 25%. That should have been um, highlighted in a very public way. I mean, to not, to not very clearly say that. I mean, that's a big number and it's going to be, that's a tough, that's a tough thing to have to come back to the public and say, listen, it's going to cost 25% more than you approve, especially in election year. Um, but, you know, you know, so you, that needs to be made very clear to people. What is the magnitude of this overrun so that there's no sense of suspicion that comes out of that. It's public minutes. Um, you know, but it certainly wasn't described in terms of the magnitude of what was being, um, what the finance gap was. Um, so uh, I'm still undecided um, in terms of how to vote. We still don't know 100% how um, the vote is going to be packaged and what we're going to be asked to vote on. Um, and so it's not, uh, it's, you know, we'll still, you know, to, to be determined as whether or not I'm able to support um, whatever is, is asked to be voted on. Um, you know, I'm going to have to, going to have to sort of do some praying on this one. Hi, Eileen. Hi. Um, first off, I know this might, well, first of all, thank you for having this. This might be a moot point, but, uh, do you know how many bids came in on this project? I don't, I know there were several, um, okay. but, uh, I, I know, and I know that Banton was the lowest bidder. Okay. Um, but now, now the change in the project cost, does that impact other bids that were submitted? Right. So if, if this was a situation where we were coming back and there was, let's say, um, a change in scope that, um, resulted in a $3 million additional, funds needed. Um, 
the right thing to do at that point, you know, if that, that happens, you know, whenever that happens, if it happens early on, let's say you say, you know what, we want to add in some additional scope. You'd go back out to those, to those bidders um, at that time with that additional scope. The thing is Banton bid on the same scope that everybody else bid on. Um, and that scope okay. has, hasn't changed to date. It hasn't changed. I think, um, you know, so. I, I just find it a, unusual that a contingency was not included with the bidders that's i've done plenty of projects as you have in the past and usually a bidder would include a contingency and you're adding a, a five hundred thousand dollar contingency as part of the bonding money so it, it just seems strange to me i i was just curious on that but yeah you're right they're all bidding on the same thing um i have another question Sure. Is there any kind of guarantee that a request for further money on this project is not going to happen? Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> the short answer is, is no. I mean, um, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, th this is, it can come just the way this one has, has come, um, you know, a request for additional funds, you know, so we're, 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 we're still not necessarily, you know, we haven't encountered, we're very lucky, knock on wood, to date that, um, you know, the only change orders that have existed to date are in the, in the magnitude of about $40,000. So very, you know, very small um, in the context of mm -hmm. a project of this size. It's, you know, normally you would see cost overruns of a greater magnitude than that, and that's still possible to happen. Um, you know, so, you know, we're, we're sort of being addressed with one known um, set of, of, of an increased budget for this project that was known eight months ago, um, and there could, there could still be additional um, sort of overruns that aren't foreseen yet. Okay, and just one last thing, and again, thank you. Uh, just given my personal opinion, which doesn't mean much to some people, I really think you should leave it up to the taxpayers to go to a referendum and vote on this. It's their voice that you're that you're putting aside by just taking it on the as the alderman to uh, just say let's do this um let people vote this is this is what we're here for and this is what we pay for yes. so again thank you very much and thanks for this opportunity thanks Eileen. i appreciate it okay tony are you, are you raising your hand Hold on, let me unmute you here. Chuck, how are you? Can you hear me? I can hear you, Tony. Thanks. Okay. You can hear me okay? Yep. Uh, you're coming in broken up now, Tony. Okay. Uh, first of all, I'd like to thank you for your time putting this together. I'm sorry. All the kids are online. It's probably jamming up. Can you hear me okay? It's coming through broken up, Tony. If you if you want, you could um, put it in the text, and I'll and I'll answer it. All right. Um, I, Brian's got his hand up. I'm going to um, I'm going to uh, continue with just a few more slides that kind of put this in, in a little bit of perspective as well, as far as um, sort of where we are in terms of budgeting, debt, and finances. Um, I think these things. It's worth. Um, you know, considering these big items like this, not in isolation, but in the context of what 
our city's budget is and you know what we face in a, more holistically. Um, so I'm going to go back to share screen here. Brian, I'll come back to you at the end and anybody else's question at the end there. Um, so, you know, I think something I want to um, just sort of highlight, um, you know, debt service. When we talk about bonding, oftentimes, you know, we had a bonding presentation and we were sort of told uh, you know, certain, there's a certain amount of existing bonding that's going to be coming, uh, rolling off um, in the coming, um, in the coming years, and uh, in that, you know, the, the new bonding would be displaced by the bonding that's rolling off. Um, and it was sort of interesting. I had to do a double take in the presentation because the two slides sort of said two very different things in a way. Um, you know, this slide shows it very clearly. Um, if you look at the column 2021. Um, that's the debt service that we're anticipated to pay in, in 2021. So approximately $1.75 million um, in principal and interest payments on, on the borrowing that, that we have. Um, the brick shaded area is what would be proposed debt service, including the 5 million. And so there's this kind of comment where, you know, our debt service would go up for two years, um, you know, with this proposed funding, um, but then it would go back down again. And I thought that was kind of like, clever wordplay there because what they were referring to was that you'd go up uh, 2022, 2023, 2024, and then every year after that, it's declining. That to me is a very sort of different statement than saying that, you know, sort of our debt service won't be any higher except for two years. Our debt service is going to be higher until 2034 um, with, with the proposed bonding that's going to be requested higher than 2021. Um, and it adds up to a bit of money. I don't have the spreadsheet from this. And so I was just kind of gleaning and I didn't want to go through the process of inputting all the numbers, but you can kind of visually do it. It's like $300,000 a year on average. There'd be an extra 10 million, oh, sorry, $4 million over in debt service payments over a period of <clears throat> um, until 2034. So, you know, this is not free money. And I think, you know, sometimes there's this sort of expectation because we don't feel the full brunt of these expenditures that are taking place. Um, in year one, uh, because they're not coming in our in our budget immediately in their full force, that we're not having to pay a cost for this. Um, and the other thing that I want to point out here is that this proposes that there's no future bonding or, or borrowing. And over the course of the last four years, <laughs> we saw a request for bonding and borrowing of $18 million in 2016. Um, and another request in 2024 years later for another five million. So unless there's something radically changing with the way that we're doing our capital financing, um, this is not an accurate representation. And that's part of my biggest problem. Yes, financing, you know, financing big projects through bonding can be a really efficient way to spread the cost out over a long period of time, especially when interest rates are low. Um, but you're still paying interest, and that interest still adds up. And it matters what you use it for. If you're borrowing for 10 years for a five-year car, that makes no sense. You know, why would you do that? You wouldn't, if, if you want to go to finance your car, your own per personal vehicle for 10 years, and it's a five-year car, you're going to be still making debt payments on that car when you're buying your second car. So, you know, it and it also matters in business, you say, you know, it makes sense to borrow if your interest rate is lower than your than than what you get in your investment return. So what are we where's that money going? And the money that's going for certain bonding projects comes at the expense 
of borrowing capacity for other projects that might better generate economic development. And so it doesn't, you know, these are the, there's no such thing as free money. Um, and, and, and these are the, some of the things that people should be considering. You know, we are going to pay for this. Somebody asked a question, are taxes going to go up? This shows right here that our costs, our expenses, our debt service expenses are going to be up and elevated for a period until 2034, assuming that we don't go out to bond for anything else, um, which is a, a very unrealistic assumption. Um, I'll talk a minute about fund balance. Um, it's a hot topic. Everybody talks about fund balance. Um, you know, why? And, you know, the sort of typical lines here are, um, you know, that the, the people complain about the depletion of the fund balance and then the city officials come back and say, uh, well, we're, our fund balance is still better than everybody else around us. And both of those are true. Um, in 2015, our fund balance was $15.8 million. In 2020, just updated from Rich Bashara, our fund balance is noted as $4.6 million. So $11.2 million has been spent, 11.3 11, 11 round. Um, and another $625,000 is being requested out of the fund balance in this year's budget from the mayor. Now, you know, why, why does this matter? You know, it, it matters in the context of borrowing um, in general. So our debt and, our, and what we're spending out of our savings um, you know, credit rating agencies started to take notice. You know, we had, we had, at one point we had received an upgrade, um, on our, on our credit rating. Um, last year we received a downgrade. And I think what was most notable to me in this, in this report was not just that the, the, the downgrade itself, but the language that was used in that reduction in the flexibility, uh, due to a lowered reserve position is not offset by growth in the tax base. So, okay, you know, we're borrowing a lot of money and we're spending money um, from the fund balance. Where's that money going? Is it being used to generate economic development, sufficient economic development to merit that level of, of spending from those, from the savings, from the bonding? Um, and the, the opinion of the rating agencies in, in this report was that it wasn't. Um, and uh, we do not believe management is undertaking significant forward-looking financial planning. That's, that's a crazy statement. Um, so, you know, um, and then the other thing to think about is, is the trend. It's not necessarily, you know, $11 million over the course of five, five years. We definitely couldn't keep that pace. Um, and we're still not necessarily slowing down with another 625 being anticipated this year. Um, and, and I guess that would bring me to the next point, which is the budget for this year. And I'm not going to go into detail because there's a lot more to be said about this and there's going to be more time to discuss this. Um, but just a couple of points here, you know, we're estimating, a, the, the mayor's estimating taking 625,000 from the fund balance. Um, but there's a, some assumptions in here that I, I believe are, are optimistic and potentially overly optimistic. Um, one is, is a collection rate increase. Uh, so, you know, we had 97% collection rate in pre previous years. I've asked um, the city uh, finance director, um, I'm sorry, comptroller and our former comptroller, Rich Bashar, if he could share a historic collection rate so we understand what that is. Um, but an assumption of a 0.5% increase in the collection rate is a big assumption and would 
definitely impact how much taxes we're able to collect at this current mill rate. Um, that could be additional funding um, that's needed to be taken out of the fund balance if we don't get that right or if we're being overly optimistic, particularly in a time when uh, we're coming into pretty significant financial hardship. I think, in, in my own personal opinion, you know, the beginning, the very beginning of a recession, um, a, a very significant recession uh, at that, which would probably negatively impact collection rates. Um, you know, and you see like an increase in the grand list there of $16.4 million. I mean, just to um, put that into perspective, um, that's like the equivalent of like a, a, a big Y plaza, the entire big Y plaza. Um, that's very unusual to see an increase in the grand list uh, in a non-reval year of that magnitude. And so both of those things, if gotten wrong, or if we're, we're not being accurate, or if we're being overly optimistic, um, would have a significant impact on tax collections um, for the city and would make a sort of a, a big difference in terms of how much, um, you know, we would need to come out of fund balance, or if we want to be proactive about it, if we can get these conversations happening sooner, um, whether or not we need to adjust um, this budget accordingly. Um, you know, a, a couple of other things I would say, you know, just the compressed timing for the last three years, um, mayor's budget has come to us very late. So ideally, you'd want to see these coming in February. Seymour gets their but their, their first selectman, selectman's budget in February. Um, last year, we didn't get ours until um, quite late. I think it was like May or June. The year before that, we had issues. So last three years, it's been, um, you know, a very compressed time. We're having to do this thing where we're sort of having combined meetings with finance and vote. Um, and there's very little time um, to actually talk to the organizations, talk to the departments and understand and have some conversations with city officials in terms of, okay, you know, this is what you're proposing. How is it that we actually get there? Can you please walk us through so that we understand that? Um, you know, with the city officials themselves, with the mayor, um, you know, those conversations aren't happening at, at to an extent that I think would be healthy for the city. Um, and that's pretty much what I would say that there's plenty to talk about um, line by line that we'll, we'll probably maybe have a second round of this conversation when it comes to the budget. Um, this last slide is really to sort of say, uh, you know, we have some serious thinking to do as a city um, in terms of what does the, what's the future sustainability, what's the future financial sustainability of the city? Even if you pull out the majority of the discretionary expenses out of our budget, you're still in a financially unsustainable position where you're having to perpetually raise taxes. Um, the only way that you're not able to do that um, is if you have a really good cushion um, for, from in your reserve fund or um, if your, your economy is growing substantially or if you're borrowing, which works in the short term, but, um, you know, eventually that catches up with you and you, you lose your, your ability to, to, to borrow effectively. Um, and the vast majority of the city's expenses go toward moderate contractual employee salary increases, typically in the range of like 2% per year. Um, for, the, for the largest pool of, of, of the city's labor, um, and increasing, exponentially increasing medical insurance premium costs. These are big costs that every city is confronted with. And so the real variable is how fast is your local economy growing? Is it growing fast enough to meet these rise, um, the, these increased um, sort of non-discretionary expenses? 
um, the dynamic at the moment is unsustainable. And so when I look back at um, this current administration and what they've done financially, um, to me, it sort of tells a certain story. Um, it says that this was a sort of a, there's a Hail Mary pass here to say, you know, we've got a reserve fund that's, um, you know, potentially overfunded if you want to use such a term, um, you know, when, when they come in. Um, and, uh, you know, so they, they sort of come in and they want to borrow. Um, you know, they sort of up from 2013 until now, there's been requests for $22 million in bonding. Um, and then from 2015, $11.2 million um, spent from the reserve fund. Um, and, you know, the Hail Mary pass was to say, can we utilize these to try to get this economy growing sufficiently? Um, and the question is, did it work? Um, you know, and, and I think, you know, when we look at our grand list and when we look at where the, gro the growth in our grand list is coming from, mostly in the form of reevaluation and residences, not necessarily in new development or new property. Um, you know, that's, I think, the, the real challenge for the city and where we need to be spending, instead of spending time, I'm spending a lot of time here right now talking about this, this uh, sort of mismanagement of the police station. It has to be done because, uh, you know, we need to make sure that we're not being frivolous with city, um, um, city spending and that we hold management accountable. But instead of, instead of spending that time on this, if you're making better decisions uh, in the management of these sort of these, this basic infrastructure, we'd be in a better position to be talking more creatively about how we get the economy going in a way that's going to allow some degree of long-term sustainability um, in, a, in a manner that's going to sort of give taxpayers some long-term sustained relief that doesn't come in the form of depletion of um, fund balance or sort of uh, short-sighted borrowing um, you know, and this kind of thing. So, you know, a question to all of you is, you know, to, to, to get engaged in, in the political process, to, you know, raise your hand to sit on the Economic Development Commission, to be a part of it, even if, if, if you're not invited to be a, a committee member, show up, share your ideas, um, and, and get this thing going, um, because we need to do more. Um, so that's the end of my presentation. I'm going to stop sharing my screen again and open it up once more um, for questions. All right. Can you hear me? Hey, Brian. Hey, uh, just to follow up on Eugene's question here, he raised a good question, uh, how you'll be voting on Tuesday. My question is, in terms of like the executive order, does the board even have the authority to vote on this on Tuesday? That's, that's a good question. I mean, that goes back to the sort of legality of, um, of one sort of previously authorized and committed funds that, have, that, 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 were, that were done without, without consultation to some extent. Um, and two is, um, you know, again, what are we voting on? Are we voting on a proposal to bypass the referendum? I still don't have a clear communication as to whether or not that's the way this will be packaged um, to the Board of Aldermen when we're asked to vote on it. Um, are we going to piece it out? Are we going to ask, is, is the proposal going to come in the form of, you know, uh, do we approve, does the Board of Aldermen approve all? Or are we going to vote on each one individually? And are we going to are we going to be asked to vote um, to bypass 
the referendum requirement on the police station specifically. And I don't know the answer to, to any of those questions. Thank you. And also, uh, Alderman Spigarillo put his question in the comments. Oh, all right. Thanks, Tony. Um, together, I, I'm going to read it out just in case for the record. Uh, thank you for putting this together from Alderman Spigarolo, Fourth Ward Alderman. I think what's extremely important at this point is to take our energy and efforts and find a sensible way to finish this project. As United Board and Administration, we have an abundance of talented people in our ranks to get this done. We can continue our conversation on finding out how we went astray and also implement policies to get to help guide any future projects. Let's get this done right, a master plan, bond the money and close the books on this so we can move forward. Okay, so um, I appreciate the sentiment. I think that sort of echo, echoes, um, you know, sort of how I ended uh, the presentation. I would love um, to sort of spend more of our time thinking about how we grow the income side of the balance sheet instead of how, how are we managing um, the, the expenses side of our balance sheet. Um, and I think the way we get there is really by taking a, a more collaborative and inclusive approach. Um, and, and we can't just rely on that, right? Because, you know, sometimes political, political differences flare, um, it's an election year or something's going on. Um, trust is, is sort of um, broken up. We really need to have um, much more clear um, sort of ordinances or requirements as far as, um, you know, how we proceed on projects of this nature, um, what kind of authority is granted. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, I, I, I really uh, don't think it was the in intention uh, when, when the police building committee was formed, um, that there would be authority, um, with, within that, within that committee to grant any funds whatsoever. Um, and, you know, so it's really should be with the board of aldermen and the board of aldermen sh um, should be making an informed decision, knowing exactly what they're on the hook for, um, when they sign any contract. So I guess final point, you know, Balancing the management, um, it's extremely important to me. I take it so seriously, uh, the task that we have in terms of, um, you know, the fiduciary responsibility we have as aldermen to make sure that money is being spent appropriately and that the city is being managed appropriately. Um, and so, um, you know, while it's not how I prefer to be spending my time, um, if I if I ever get a sense that um, there's any kind of mismanagement, I'm always going to call it out. Um, and that's just the nature of the job. That's part of it. Um, so I, I do sincerely hope that we can, uh, as a board of aldermen, come together now to come up with some sort of um, uh, some sort of measure that accounts for the fact that this mismanagement has taken place. Um, and, and, and sort of take very clear and discreet actions on that um, and that we're able to move forward in a way um, that doesn't further jeopardize um, residents, uh, their, own, their own sort of pockets and their own finances and our taxes. Are there any further questions? All right, well, if, um, if anybody would like a copy of the presentation, um, please uh, feel free to contact me directly. Again, my, um, my email uh, is listed on the city of Ansonia's website. And um, 
And also, if you missed part of this conversation and, uh, and, and you want to sort of have a one-on-one, -on -one, I'm happy to speak with you as well um, directly one-on-one -on -one, um, to repeat anything that you might have missed. Um, I thank you all for spending time on your Sunday. I hope I didn't uh, delay your Sunday dinners. Um, you know, thank you all very much for taking the time and uh, look forward to seeing you all soon, probably on the next Zoom call. <laughs> all right. Take care, everybody. Have a good evening.